0: Ticket City presents, why you go to the game to see Georgia Southern. The play is known simply as the run. Peterson took a handoff up the middle, broke a tackle at the line of scrimmage, spins away from the next defender he meets, and he shakes off a diving tackler. 30 yards down the field, he meets another defender and literally throws him out of the way with his right arm. Grabs him by the shoulder pad and swipes him off onto the sideline. It was really so surreal because the place is going completely berserk during the run until he throws off that defender. He throws off that defender. The whole place went silent, stone silent, like an intake of breath. <sighs> it was just so amazing. Nobody had ever seen it before. And then, of course, the place exploded again after they all caught their breath. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit savannahnowcom slash sports and click on tickets. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now
1: Down the sideline, if he can get loose, he's gone Iligwe
0: will score The Wesley Fields, touchdown Georgia Southern
2: Alright, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra I am Travis Jadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News I'm joined as always by Greg Talbot Greg, how are
1: you? Doing good, uh, pretty good, Travis. Here we are, you know, home stretch. I can't believe this season went that fast.
2: Yeah, it's gone by super fast, and it ended on a high note for Georgia Southern with a 35-14 Georgia State win on Saturday at the former Turner Field in Atlanta, now Georgia State Stadium. Let's call it Paulson Stadium North. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it felt like that on Saturday, so we'll, we'll run through that real quick and then talk mostly about Uh, bowl possibilities and what that holds for Georgia Southern and then give out some regular season team awards from Greg and I for the Eagles but let's start with um, our four downs and I'll start Greg and say bravo Eagle Nation because Saturday like we said it felt like it felt like Paulson North in Atlanta there was a lot of Georgia Southern fans up there There there's a lot of noise and energy and I guess as Chad Lunsford would call it juice coming from the coming from the Georgia Southern faithful. And it was the first time all year, you know, I'll be honest, it was the first time all year that I felt that Georgia Southern fans had an impact on the outcome of a game. You could say App State, but I think the play of Georgia Southern had more of an impact for App State.
1: I'd had the end of the Arkansas State game too.
2: Maybe, yeah, you could say that. I would, I mean, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. But Saturday from start to finish, I mean, even when the teams were running out of the tunnel, it felt like Georgia Southern was outnumbering them. Uh, in the stands, and they were certainly out-talenting or more talent on the field. Out-talenting? (laughs) Out-talenting? Who gave you a degree again? (laughs) So I think, uh, yeah, so like I said, it was the first time that they've impacted the game. And, you know, for me, the the troll job of the tomahawk chop during the game was just excellent, and I'm all for that kind of thing. What got me, Greg, was the the Georgia State band— started playing they tried to play shake your tail feather i don't know if you know that song but do i know that song <laughs> so travis
1: you- were the same age that was a that was a jam in 7th grade now yeah I-,
2: I remember it took me back a little bit but i don't know that they realized how the song starts and its similarity to the tomahawk chop and yeah, took- oh
1: you're right i didn't even think about yeah, that yeah
2: so for those who don't know this is how the shake your tail feather song starts
1: Dun, 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 we yeah. do it for fun <laughs> dun, dun, so that dun, sounds
2: that sounds a lot like uh the tomahawk chop to me and i don't know that georgia state knew that um and it played right into the hands of georgia southern fans so they took full advantage of it greg what do you got for second down?
1: all right second down is good for you players for saving the season with back-to-back wins um we, we talked for the first seven, eight weeks about how impressed we were with this Georgia Southern team. And then they lost to ULM and they lost to Troy. And I distinctly remember, Travis, talking to you at halftime in Statesboro of that Troy game, saying if they lose this game, they may very well lose the next two because they have been doing nothing but riding emotion, And I'm not sure if they have what it takes to come back from that and, and, and come on the other side of that coin. They won their last two games. I I, I I, could have sworn after they lost that second game in a row to Troy that they were going to lose one more. And I am so proud of whatever it was, the coaches, the mental toughness of the players that allowed them to win back-to-back games after nearly letting the real pleasant feeling of that season slip away. Um, so I, overall, well, and we'll talk about the win against Georgia State, but the, the, the big picture for me here is good for them for saving their season because it could have easily turned into a really negative back half.
2: Yeah, and it had that feeling to it last year. I think... That's what happened to this team was kind of one loss caused them to lose in the next game and so on and so forth. And, you know, Coastal and Georgia State are not world beaters, but it was nice to see them kind of take care of business the last two weeks. Third down, I'll uh, give Tyler Bass some some love. The junior kicker is 16 of 18 on the year now, including 7 of 7 from 40 to 49 yards with 48 touchbacks in just 12 games. And then after Saturday, he now has a two-point passing conversion, which I know for him is probably the most important stat, given that I think Tyler Bass does think he can be a Division One quarterback, but he's a <laughs> hell of a kicker as well. And Deshaun Cooper, I want to actually mention him too. He was the one that caught the two-point conversion, the defensive end. So those guys aren't going to get too much love in the box scores uh, too often. So when they do have a two-point passing conversion, I do want to shout out some love for them. What do you got for fourth down, Greg?
1: We'll talk about the Bulls a little bit later in the podcast, but I would say this win over Georgia State, anything else from here is gravy. You you hired a new coach. You are on the way possibly to a 10-win season. You beat Georgia State. You beat App State at home. Anything else from here is gravy. Chad Lunsford did his job and more in year one on Saturday. Yep, I
2: fully agree. Let's jump right into a Georgia State recap, and we'll be quick on this. Uh, given that we're a few days removed from it. And also, uh, you know, a lot of you guys were either at the game, it sounded like, or definitely saw the game. But 35-14 win for Georgia Southern. They scored the game's first 28 points, and they scored all those points um, in about a 21-minute uh, stretch. So from the 14:55 mark in the second quarter to the 8.5 mark, in the third quarter, they scored 28 unanswered. Over the last six quarters, Georgia Southern has now outscored their opponents 63-14. to 14. Uh, I thought Wesley Fields and Shy Wertz were clearly the two MVPs of the game. Fields had 16 for 151, and Wirtz was really good, again, in the passing department and the rushing department. Shy Wertz finished with 75 rushing yards on 13 attempts and a touchdown. He also threw 405 yards, two touchdowns, to one to D.A. Big Play and then one to Colby Ransom. Um, he was 8 of 11 throwing, and really two of the three incompletions were purposeful throwaways. So Wurtz was fantastic again, and, and really for me, the key thing out of this game was to see the first drive of the third quarter and the first drive of the fourth quarter. If you look in the first drive of the fourth quarter, you had four plays for 75 yards. It was Wesley Fields who ended up putting the nail in the coffin. But, you know, on that drive, they had four plays total. It was Wirtz, Wirtz, Fields on third and sixteen ended up rushing for 18 yards, and then Fields for 63 to the house. So that to me tells me that when the game is needing to be put away, Lunsford and Bob the Best know who to go to. And you can look at that really the same thing. Um, At the start of the third quarter, they went 51 yards on eight plays. So eight plays, seven of those, or seven were Fields, Wirtz, or Kennedy. So, you know, it's not hard to tell where they think their strengths lie and where they'll go when they need it most. Um, And then one more kind of takeaway from Georgia State. Third downs were especially big for Georgia Southern in the game. They haven't been really I mean, statistically, they haven't well, even been average.
0: They
1: started the season. I mean, God, what what game was it that I broadcast? I think the third home game. What is it against Arkansas State or South Alabama? Entering that game, they were like the number one third down offense in the Sun Belt Conference, right. and then all of a sudden, the second half of the season, they plummeted to the bottom half of the conference standings.
2: And we've talked about it before. I think that has more to do with first and second downs than than the actual third downs. They just weren't. They simply weren't getting enough yardage on first and second down to convert at a, at a high rate on third down. But on Saturday, they were 8 of 13 uh, total, which is not, you know, not eye-popping, but it's solid it's 62%. And the biggest thing out of that is the second half, they were 5 of 6. So that's how you put a game away, and that's how you finish a team. And again, the third and 16 for Westfields, his 18-yard run kind of allowed the drive to continue Well the next drive or the next play he finished it off with a 63-yard run. So, you know, I was really impressed by the entire team but most notably Shy Wertz and Wesley Fields. Yeah,
1: and my big takeaway was that this was a this was a big play game for Georgia Southern. Now, their offense at times this year has struggled to to break big plays, especially later in games, but the fact that so many home runs were the reasons for drives ending in the end zone was was particularly helpful moving forward into the future and and giving me some optimism about the the way this team can round itself out next year
2: yep so greg let's jump into some team awards we'll give them out for us and we'll just kind of run through them quickly so we'll have time to get to the bowl game and to where we think georgia Southern will be going and and maybe who they'll be playing um i'll start first on this one greg we'll go to offensive player of the year defensive player of the year Unsung hero, so someone that really we haven't given love on the show before. Biggest surprise, and then team MVP. So offensive player of the year for me, Greg, is Wesley Fields, and you know that's not you know that's not a surprising pick, I don't think. But without Wes Fields, the whole offense changes, and in the way that without Wes Kennedy, the whole offense changes, and you know every defense that plays Georgia Southern knows Wes Fields is going to be the marquee back, and he still managed to have really high level production. He's probably gonna rush if you know, if he goes for fifty plus in the bowl game, he'll rush for a thousand yards having missed one game. So that it's been impressive to me to watch him work all year and kind of the way he goes about things on and off the field have impressed me the most and so for that he's my offensive player of the year for Georgia Southern.
1: This won't surprise you, uh, although I love the way Fields played this year, my is Wesley Kennedy. And because not necessarily because of uh, late season stats. We know that the the back half of the season wasn't quite as explosive on the whole as the first half of the season, but he managed to, with the help of Bob DeBess and Chad Lunsford, create a role for himself in, in a way that I haven't really seen in in a couple of years. The, the first half of the season, and we know it sounds like he'll play running back more next year, but the way they used him in the first half of the season and then sparingly in the second half of the season, finding ways to get him the ball downfield stretch the field out of the slot, out of the running back position, out of the option. He became the most dynamic player on the field to me outside of shy Wertz. And I think we're, I think we're just seeing him get started. So I think this year was a great appetizer onto what I think the next two years are going to be for West Kennedy.
2: Yeah, I fully agree with you. Let's jump to defensive player of the year and, Greg, for me, it's Montquavy and Brinson. And I, I know that there have been games where Brinson has not performed to the level that we expected of him. But I think that's a product of him having performed so well before the two games that he struggled in, which just so happened to be the two Georgia Southern losses. But he started now, he started 24 consecutive games for Georgia Southern. He's kind of been the guy that you can pencil in no matter what. Put him outside one on one on whichever team they're playing, whoever their best receiver is. And then you can kind of, as the season went on, you could kind of start eliminating that receiver from the stat book, really, because we saw against, uh, let's see, I think it was Arkansas State that Brinson shut down their number one. South Alabama. South Alabama certainly shut down and then Troy. Jamarius Way. Yeah, and then Troy. And the mark of a good cornerback, and we've said this on the show before, the mark of a good cornerback for me is if. At the end of the game, if we don't even know that you played, because that means the ball is not coming your way. They're not throwing the guy you're covering the ball. And as much as the Georgia Southern secondary struggled and the linebacker unit struggled on passes across the middle, they were equally as effective at preventing the, the sideline passes and really the one-on-one routes. Brinson had a big hand in that. And, you know, not to mention... You know about everything he does in coverage, but he's also been one of the team's leading tacklers all season long. And for a cornerback to do that shows me that you're willing to step up and make a tackle when perhaps somebody else could have. So for me, Brenson, you know, has kind of been hot and cold for some people, but for me he's the defensive player of the year for Georgia Southern because of, you know, just his consistency
1: and him showing up every day. Yeah, and both he and he and Kindleville are juniors, so we're gonna have both of them back next year and that's gonna make for one of the best one-two tag-team secondary combos in the Sunbelt Conference. Yeah. Uh, mine is, is kind of a cop-out. I'm actually going to go with the entire defensive line. Boo! Yeah, because Scott Sloan... If, Scott Sloan is really my defensive MVP, but uh, in order to keep this fair and choose players, the fact that with a three-man front, they were able to so often get to a quarterback and pressure a quarterback and clog up the hole for, for runs up the middle, uh, that, that was the... The joy for me is seeing a team go from a 4-3 to a 3-4, have a lot of linebackers drop back in zone coverage or man coverage and still be able to stop the run. That was so impressive to me. And I also credit the new strength and conditioning coach, credit Scott Sloan. But the defensive line, to me, was the, the greatest surprise of the year. And here's the thing. There were games where the Southern secondary, despite a lot of the star power, got gashed. There were not a lot of games where the Georgia Southern defensive line got gashed.
2: Yeah, no, I can't—and we haven't really talked about it too much on the show, but it's been impressive. They've been able to stop the run all year. I can't think of any games where they've really been gashed by the run. So let's see. Our next award will go Unsung Hero, and and this is just maybe a guy, or in Greg's case, a unit of guys (laughs) um, who we haven't touched on in the show all year and kind of just wanted to get some love before the end of the season. Um, I'll go with, uh, I'll take a page out of your book, actually, Greg. I'm going to go with the snapper and holder, Ryan Langan and McGill Bowerly. I talked earlier about Tyler Bass's big season. That's not really possible without this long snapper and the holder. And as unsexy as those positions are, they're equally as important because if they go wrong, like if you're bad at long snapper, everyone's going to know immediately you know and if you're good no one's really going to know no one's going to know your name and so those two guys have been really good all season and they've been a big reason why Tyler Bass's season has gone the way it has which which has led to a 90% field goal percentage so those two guys have been really good all year long and I wanted to give them some love before the end of the
1: year you're also going to give me a boo for this one and it's also kind of a a weird cop out but I want to take the second to say that the unsung hero of the Georgia Southern season was you Travis because you started the podcast. <laughs> thank you, I'm you have been a objective reporter that real fans of Georgia Southern I think can appreciate. You've given uh, honest coverage in a program that doesn't always get the most honest coverage. So, thank you for being one a good dude, two having me on your Aww. show every week. But three, programs outside of major media markets so often don't get honest, thoughtful, pretty objective coverage because when it's in a smaller town like Savannah or Statesboro, because they're the only game in town, people just take the homer side. You have managed to be fair and likable while also maintaining your objectivity. So that's another cop-out, but I think you're the unsung hero, and I think producer Zach would agree, right, Zach? I do agree. Thank you, Zach. Well, thank you, guys. That's very
2: kind of you. I'm, I'm humbled. am humbled. Uh, Let's jump to the biggest surprise of the season
1: for me. It's That you didn't get fired? Just kidding.
2: (laughs) Yeah, not yet. Not yet. We still got a bowl game to play, though, Greg. So for me, the right tackle, Brian Miller, has been the biggest surprise. And I guess people that were really close to this team, including Chad Lunsford, you know, Lunsford said in the past that he thinks Miller is a future NFL guy. I didn't see that in any of the practices I went to preseason and definitely not during the spring game. And all Brian Miller did was start all 12 games at right tackle and play a large percentage of the plays at right tackle. If you're playing and starting in all 12 games on the offensive line for an option offense, you're doing something right. And for a freshman, a freshman from Savannah Memorial Day School, Brian Miller has been as consistent and as good as you could ask And really, Georgia Southern has a bright, bright future when it comes to the tackle position. I think Brian Miller probably slots and moves over to left tackle next season. But for what he's done this year at right tackle has been a huge surprise for me. And regardless of what Lunsford and DeBest say, I'm sure they could not have expected a season and a performance like this from a freshman. So, Brian Miller, hats off to you, and uh, really congrats on a on a really amazing freshman campaign.
1: Mine is Darian Anderson, Georgia Southern's wide receiver unit. I remember you and I talking about this in August. We were like, "What the what the heck are we going we to see was Fortune that... and everyone else?" Right, and, and Obi was. I mean, you have the stats of running. He can't have had more than five catches this year. I think yeah, he probably only had three or four. Yep. So, Darian Anderson. Turning into the the big play, deep threat, stretching the field, going vertically for for 50 yards a catch. That was my pleasant surprise because when West Kennedy got moved over to to running back, I was like, okay, so who's going to stretch the field and? Anderson went deep a, a couple of times. They, were, they would try to target him on a, on a shot play once or twice a game, usually hauled it in. So what a great story from him. Committed to Georgia out of Houston County. Jake Fromm was his high school quarterback. When Mark Rick left, he decided to decommit from Georgia, came to Georgia Southern, and, and made a name for himself this year on a team that doesn't usually let wide receivers make big names for themselves.
2: Yeah, he is DA big play for me from now on, I think. I think, I, think I think big play DA sounds better. Really? Yeah. Huh. We'll let you guys comment on that. Send us your thoughts on Darian Anderson's nickname. Yeah, that's, uh, that's on at savannahnow.com. <laughs> Thank you for that, Greg. Uh, so time for a team MVP. I'm Let's not even, guess. Yeah, I'm not even going to take time setting this one up. It's shy Wirtz, and it's not not difficult for me to even pick Wirtz as my MVP because we've said all year, as Wirtz goes, so goes the Georgia Southern Offense. For the back half of the year, it became, as Wurtz goes, so goes the Georgia Southern team because you can just tell they feed off of him. And, and in key moments at the end of the year especially, and I thought especially against Georgia State, he could kind of feel where and when he needed to take over and kind of you know enforce his will really against the opposing team. And Wurtz started doing that at the end of the year and started keeping it a little more often. Uh, He was really really good passing the ball. I mean, he's the only I'll I'll knock on wood here. He's the only FBS quarterback to have yet to throw an interception the next the next closest Qualifier has thrown three interceptions. So words has been obviously really good controlling the ball And that's all you can ask for with an option offense quarterback outside of that though what he's done is he's brought a legitimate dynamic a dual threat dynamic To the Georgia Southern offense. Last year, obviously, they didn't have that. They were having to throw it a lot because they were down by a lot last year. But this year, they've been able to throw it when they wanted to. And they've been able to throw it at a really, really high clip, uh, completion percentage wise. And it's led to an offense that's put up 373 points this year. So hats off to Shywerts. And I, I could not be more excited to watch him over the next two years. I think Georgia Southern has a really, really, really good quarterback on their hands. And Eagle fans, if they're not aware of it yet, if this guy stays in school and stays healthy for the next two years, he's going to break a ton of records. And so I would pay attention while you can and notice what you have in front of you while you can, because shy words is definitely special.
1: You said everything I wanted to do. Let's move on.
2: So we is your MVP also, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the bowl game. There was, there was news on Tuesday night, late Tuesday night, that Georgia Southern would likely be going to the Camellia Bowl, which is in Montgomery, Alabama. December 15th 5:30 Eastern kickoff versus a MAC opponent presumably the loser of the MAC championship which is Buffalo and
1: somebody else. It's going to be whoever loses to Buffalo. Yeah, so
2: I, Buffalo is really really good when you look at them by the numbers. So it'll likely be the loser of the MAC championship game in the Commelo Bowl. I talked last night to Sunbelt officials and to Brian Johnson, the Georgia Southern communications director and nothing is official yet. It is not official. That Georgia Southern's going to the Camellia Bowl, but sounds like it's all but official. Yeah, but before Tuesday, we kind of knew that we knew Arkansas State was going out west. We knew that the loser of the championship game was going to the Cure Bowl. So you're left then with Mobile and Montgomery. We knew Georgia Southern wasn't going back to Mobile in all likelihood, and that that was going to go to Troy. So you were left really with the Camellia Bowl and everything that we knew. This week and really following the Georgia State game, said the Commuter Bowl when they decided to send the second place Sunbelt team to the Cure Bowl, it was basically decided. Right. So, I think we can safely assume that that's where they're going. Greg, do you have any immediate thoughts on the opportunity they have? And kind of, I mean, it's not a New Year Six Bowl, but it is at least not a, you know a two p.m. Wednesday game. It's at least at five thirty, and it's in. The big big city of Montgomery, Alabama.
1: Well, there is going to be an element more of home field advantage. I can't imagine we're going to see a huge crowd from Buffalo coming down to Montgomery or to whoever, wherever the the MAC team, the second place team mm-hmm. is, from coming down to Montgomery, Alabama. I would say that I am going to stand by my statement that it's all gravy here for Georgia Southern. I kind of wish that we were able to see them play a team from a different conference than the MAC. I loved the idea of them playing a team from the Mountain West, which is just throw, throw, throw against a team like Southern that's run, run, run. I thought that would have been a blast to see them play the Arizona Bowl. I would have liked to see them play a team from the American Conference. I thought that would have been fun. But, you know, the MAC and the Sun Belt have become pretty comparable. So it seems almost like a sister league to me as far as I'm concerned now, and I think it's appropriate. So I'm excited. I'll be going there to cover it for WSAV compared to what we thought this season might be a month ago is it a little bit of a disappointment sure but compared to where what we were thinking at the beginning of the season people would have been clamoring for this so i think it's a net positive
2: yeah and just so people know there buffalo is playing northern illinois uh, Niu, okay yeah and so i think right now buffalo is a 10 point favorite in that game so i would expect northern illinois um and montgomery and I know that a lot of Georgia Sun fans have already booked their hotel rooms and gotten their tickets. For Sounds this like game.
1: hotel rooms are hard to come by in Montgomery. Yeah, that's what people are saying on Twitter. I
2: would not know. I'm not familiar with the. Seems
1: like a pretty small town hotel market in
2: Montgomery, Alabama. But definitely excited for the team to to make it to a bowl game. Greg, if they if they go down there and they beat them by forty or lose by forty, does it really change? your outlook on this season? I mean, maybe for the first week or two after, you kind of feel a little sour about it, but...
1: As far as I'm concerned, that that those wins against Coastal Carolina and Georgia State to close out the season, 10-win season, I mean, 9-win season, I know 10-win season sounds good, and I know it means more money for the coaches and for the program, Yeah, but I I think Saturday's win basically will close the book and and two weeks from now, assuming it's going to be the Bowl, almost seems like an epilogue to me. Mm -hmm. I think the actual book has been closed, and I think the story has been written in such a positive way. I feel like this is just going to be a a, a possible tiny little epilogue cherry on top. As far as I'm concerned, the positive story has already been written, and the season is, for all intents and purposes, in a positive way. We can close the book.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I agree with you. I think the most important thing about making a bowl game is you get these extra practices for the young guys, uh, especially. Um, All right, so that'll be it for us. Today on the show, stay tuned this week on savannahnow.com slash sports. We'll have uh, a notebook on Georgia Southern and kind of what their plans are going into the bowl game. I'll also do a rundown of milestones that are potentially going to be reached at the bowl game. Um, just as a reminder, all season statistics for the team and for individuals are including the bowl game. So if, for instance, and I'm not saying someone has, but if, for instance, someone has a record, for least amount of interceptions thrown in a season that that person would have to finish the year including the bowl game with that number so just as an example that's one just to keep that in mind uh, there are also plenty of team numbers that georgia Southern's probably gonna set some records especially at turnover margin where they're plus 22 uh, so definitely a lot of stuff coming up so keep an eye on savannah and then tweet at us at jadon sports and at Greg Talbot. What is it? Just Greg Talbot? Just Greg Talbot. Just Greg Talbot. We've talked about that before. No underscores in yours, right?
1: And don't email me.
2: (laughs) GSU Greg Talbot. (laughs) Uh, You got anything you want to tell the folks, Greg?
1: No, that's uh, that's it for me, man. No more high school football for the year. All we have left around here is Savannah Christian playing on Friday night, but that's not going to be on live TV because the GHSA charges way too much money, so we don't do that. We told them a couple years ago to take a hike. So no live high school football broadcast, and now all we're working on is trying to set up Georgia Southern basketball uh, games for the year on WSAV, and hopefully we can announce that pretty shortly.
2: And the Eagles on the hardwood are now 5-1. and one. They lost their first game last Ugh, night.
1: Brutal last night.
2: Yeah, the ETS here is, is actually a good team, so Georgia Southern will be playing Thursday night uh, at 9.30 against at Arizona. Uh, you may have heard of them. They're kind of a basketball school, so that'll be a test for them. Second best program in the Western U.S. Oh, man. Get out of here, Gonzaga. Beat Duke, baby. Number one.
0: This episode of the Georgia Southern Extra Podcast is brought to you by the Savannah Morning News' Empty Stocking Fund. Since 1971, the Empty Stocking Fund has been making sure all needy children will have a reason to smile on Christmas morning. Countless readers have shared their blessings with those in our community who are suffering hardships during the holiday season. All contributions are appreciated and will be acknowledged in the manner requested by donors. To donate, please send checks made payable to SCF empty stocking fund to 2225 norwood avenue suite b savannah georgia 31406 again that is 2225 norwood avenue suite b savannah georgia 31406 and make sure to label it scf empty stocking fund thank you and happy holidays
1: All
2: right, we're joined by Mike Anthony, the sports editor and Georgia Southern beat writer at the Statesboro Herald. Mike's been covering Georgia Southern since 2015 and knows the program really well. Someone whose opinion on Georgia Southern and Georgia Southern football, I value a lot. And so I thought it would be a good idea following the regular season to have Mike on and kind of recap the significance of this season and more importantly, the significance of the most recent win over Georgia State. Mike, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. All right, man. I first want to start with Georgia State and kind of where you would rank it. I mean, obviously, you've been around Georgia Southern uh, longer than than I have now that I've been around Georgia Southern for 12 games. But so you would have a better idea, I think, of kind of where it fits in the importance of games. I mean, obviously, Georgia State wasn't a big juggernaut coming into this, but having lost to them three years in a row and then coming at the end of a really, really successful season, it was important, I thought, that Georgia Southern win and and win convincingly, and they did that. So where does this game kind of fit in its significance and this win fit in its significance for Georgia Southern uh, since they joined the FBS?
0: Well, I think it depends on how you're looking at it. I mean, you've got the practical side of it, which is just what you pointed out that, you know, coming into this game, Georgia Southern was an overwhelming favorite. They were the team that already was on its way to a bowl game georgia state was a team that other than trying to notch another win in a a rivalry game didn't have anything else to play for so you know on that side of things it was just the eagles taking care of business uh on the other side of things i know it was big for the the seniors uh most of the seniors on this team had only ever beaten georgia uh, georgia state by standing on the sidelines during their redshirt year as a freshman if even then uh otherwise they've been on the field for three straight losses so emotionally psychologically good for that i know it's good for the younger guys who wanted to win it for those seniors that they knew had been through three losses so you know talking to you've been there alongside me with uh, uh coach chad lones for all these press conference uh conferences throughout the year they're gonna say that it's just another win i would say it's a little bit more than that i wouldn't say it's anything yeah. groundbreaking but definitely good to to get that collar off of you against a team that's in state and that is going to savor a win over you more than any other in the season.
2: Yeah, well, let me ask you this, Mike. And obviously, we, let's not spend a lot of time on it because it didn't happen. But out of curiosity, what would have been the feeling, you think, uh, around the program and around the season as a whole had Georgia Southern slipped up and lost to Georgia State? Obviously, that would have been a huge upset for the game just being uh, you know 10-plus point spread. Yeah. But how would it have made the season that was and is successful Kind of a little bit blemished.
0: Maybe the best way I could put it is, it would be like if Georgia Southern ran, you know, a, a hundred-yard dash, and going into the season, you know, people picked them to to be maybe a little bit faster than usual, but not a great sprinter. Well, Georgia Southern, you know, they exceeded all expectations. They did better than anyone thought they would. You know, even qualifying for a bowl would have been viewed as a big success going into the season. Instead, they finish up nine and three. A chance to get ten wins this year. So. I guess maybe a loss in that game would have been like if they had won that 100-yard sprint and then stubbed their toe after crossing the finish line, (laughs) it would have really hurt. Nobody would have liked it. But at the end of the day, they still accomplished more than anybody thought they would at the beginning of the
2: season. One thing we know for sure is that if Georgia Southern – the football team was a sprinter, they would be a blue collar sprinter and not a sexy sprinter. We can agree on that.
0: According to Chad Lunsford. Yeah. But they'd be, they'd be a heck of a sprinter though. Those guys can go. So as
2: far as this rivalry goes with Georgia state, Greg and I talked about it on last week's Georgia Southern extra podcast about the different kind of feel between this rivalry and, and um, Appalachian state. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't really know the the best way to describe it, but people listening to this podcast and you certainly know this as well. There is a different feeling. However you want to go about describing it, how it's different, it's just a different feeling. How I would describe it would be that I think there's a mutual respect at the very least between App State and Georgia Southern as far as like program histories and and current, you know, personnel and and talent really you know, there's a mutual respect with or without each other app state and Georgia Southern are going to probably thrive and be fine building off of their rich history. Georgia state mm-hmm. obviously doesn't have that rich history, but there still seems to be some sort of either. I mean, there there's definitely hatred that's not even up for debate at all. <laughs> but yeah,
0: there, there seems yeah, to be very little mutual respect. That. Right. Um, Yeah. Again, reaching into the, metaphor bag uh trying my best <laughs> to describe it the the best way i could put it is you know it, i i think that the rivalry rivalry with uh app state might be like two good friends who are competing against each other all through their lives they grew up together you know they got big together they became regional universities together they outgrew the socon together and you know one helped the other if it weren't for uh, one pushing the other one, the other one was down in their SOCON days. They probably wouldn't have gotten to the heights that they did. So I think that's where that respect comes from, because even on the darkest day for App State when Georgia Southern gets them, or even on you know a, a bad day for Georgia Southern when App runs it up against them, they know that at some point they owe some of their success to the, the other team always being right behind them and ready to take their spot the second they slip up. Um, Georgia State, I would compare it to – it's like a brother fight, but they can't decide on who's the big brother and who's the little brother. You know, you've got got Georgia State, which is in a bigger city. It's got a bigger enrollment. You know, they, they like to talk about their academic credentials, even though most of that comes from, you know, people who never set foot on the campus until they had already graduated from college and are coming back for master's and doctorates and all that. So they've got that on their side. And then you've got Georgia Southern, who's got an entire athletic history, especially on the football field on their side so it's kind of like a brother fight but both of them want to say that they're the big brother and no one really knows how to sort it out so it just ends up in a lot of uh uh handmakers being thrown i mean
2: and i'm all for that i love having gone through it now one time
0: i love But you've got it right build- being being new to this rivalry you are not incorrect in uh realizing that there's a, a bunch of respect between app and georgia southern and when it comes to uh, Georgia Southern and Georgia, both of them would just as well leave the other in a gutter.
2: Yeah. And that's the way I, that's the way I like it, Mike. I mean, that's the way that the big time rivalries really not just in college sports, you go down to high school and you could even go up to the pros. I, you know, Steelers Ravens right off the top of my head comes to mind, but the Georgia state, Georgia Southern rivalry, I think at least, and I'd like to get your opinion on this is really good for both programs in that it adds a statewide I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this a statewide recognition recognition of both schools and that every week, you know, Georgia Southern fans are looking to see what Georgia State did and hoping that they lose by fifty. And I think mm-hmm. it's the same way the other way around, you know, Georgia State looking at Georgia Southern. So yeah, I do think you think it's good for both programs that, that this thing is starting to kind of build up in its rivalry?
0: I think that it can be the same the same reason that they you know, both aren't seeing eye to eye and both, you know, really hate each other and don't care about the other right now is the same. Uh, It's a reason why both of them could eventually maybe learn to help each other out. And that the things that one has that the other doesn't right now, they don't care about it. Georgia state would rather talk about how they have more money, how they have a bigger stadium, even if it's, you know, 90% empty half the time, Uh, how they have, you know, more, uh, more alumni, more donors, all that. Georgia Southern, they want to say that doesn't matter because look at the last 30 years we've won and won and won and we've got a trophy case full of things. And, uh, Georgia state, you know, looked at that and says, it doesn't matter. We've got the money. We've got the donors. We're events. We're event- uh, we'll eventually outgrow you. So, you know, you can only clash heads and refuse to see the other side of it for so long. Maybe at some point, you know, Georgia Southern fans or Georgia Southern donors, they realize that, Hey, You might be better on paper year in and year out, but this is a bigger school with a a bigger uh, alumni base that will outgrow you. They'll outspend you, and you're going to have to dig deeper in your pockets. You're going to have to convince your friends that are alumni that don't uh, give right now or don't purchase as many tickets right now. They're going to have to step up and do their part if they want to get on the uh, level of Georgia State, and their buying power, their ability to just overwhelm you with money and support. And, you know, Georgia State, on the other hand, you know, they're going to have to learn that they they need to win some games. They need to uh, have some fans show up. They need to have some students show up and have an identity, have a fan base more than just being able to cut a check and have a nice stadium in the middle of the city. Yeah, I'm
2: with you on that 100%, Mike. But let's change gears, but also kind of piggyback off of what you were just talking about, the finances of it all. This season obviously has brought Georgia Southern a lot of notoriety. I mean, not that it didn't already have at least some notoriety, but it kind of brought individuals to the forefront and most notably head coach Chad Lunsford, obviously is kind of borderline celebrity status now with with post-game antics and and then his social media presence. What is, let me ask this simply, and then we can kind of get more specific with it. Is this the success of this season sustainable for Georgia Southern? And is that sustainability directly linked to them being able to keep Chad Lunsford at Georgia Southern?
0: Well, I think any success is sustainable. You look at uh, some of the better college football programs out there, and a lot of them have a lot more money than Georgia Southern. They've got uh, head coaches that are uh, uh, more household names. They've got uh, players that everybody knows on ESPN where Georgia Southern doesn't. But when you've got good coaches and when you lose those coaches, when you have the ability to identify the right guy to take over where the last guy left off – anything sustainable you see you know uh, Florida State they just had their streak broken 36 consecutive bowl games but think about it that's uh you know over a third of a century worth of worth of bowl games and there's plenty of other schools that aren't too far behind that having two straight decades worth of bowl games so it, it depends you know if you're going to say that success is only a conference championship well then yeah you're barking up the wrong tree there's maybe two or three programs in the country that can get rid of one guy or lose one guy and expect to Pop right back into the conference championship seat the very next year, but I, I think that yeah, this is sustainable for uh, Georgia Southern. They've done it before. They've weathered coaching changes before. And what you said about you know Coach Lunsford being kind of a man of the people right now. You know, it's easy when the when the uh, wins are coming in, but I really think that it showed more in the the two game losing streak that Georgia Southern had, where he right. was able to to take those punches and not only keep the fans on his side but keep the team on his side and have him finish strong that to me says that this is a guy that as long as he's here is going to be able to do good things for this program
2: all right mike and then we'll wrap up with this uh final thought and question and i want to get your opinion on this as well so let's talk about kind of where this season can go with a bowl game i mean i've me and you have both seen and read all this stuff about how georgia southern is not Guaranteed a bowl game, and they hope to get invited. I think I we can both, yeah, <laughs> we can both just flat out say that they are going to go to a bowl game, and if they don't, then something went terribly wrong with all the bowls. So let's it's, assume.
0: for after somebody with one of those chairs.
2: Yeah, I think maybe all the chairs. <laughs> right. So let's assume that they go. They're going to the bowl, a bowl game. Let's not guess which one, but let's assume they go to a bowl game and play. A team that is at least record wise, statistics wise, ranking wise, on par with them. Okay. Mm-hmm. If they win a bowl game, it'll be their second, obviously, after winning the GoDaddy Bowl a few years back. But what would that mean for this season as a whole? Um, and obviously, we're, you know, it's not done yet, but where would you put a 10 and 3 Georgia Southern season this year, coming off 2 and 10 last year? Where would you put that season in the Georgia Southern history books, really?
0: Right. Uh, I, I think that there are a lot of diehard Georgia Southern fans that have been, been in it from the beginning, uh, from when they restarted this program in the 80s that might not like the answer. They're about to say, but I, I don't think that there's much debate that, you know, savor the six national championships and FCS all you want, and I'll be the first one to say that, you know, the the people – uh, An FDS that wanted to to thumb their nose at that when Georgia Southern came to play them, they're wrong. They should have respected it more than they did. But yeah. the fact remains that, you know, Georgia Southern getting to whatever goal they get in, are going to have a chance to play on prime time, you know, during the holiday season with a million people watching. Now that they're in the Sun Belt, they've gotten a couple of uh, Thursday night games. They've gotten some... And nice FPS opponents where they're getting similar to the same ratings. And that's just something that they never got before as an FCS team, even when they were in the late 90s and early 2000s, undoubtedly the best that there was at that level. So, you know, save a special spot in your heart for that. Cherish it. I know I do. I like watching those old films as much as anybody. Yeah, they should be. They should be cherished. Right. And if if they win, but if they win, and even if they don't, the fact that they get to another bowl game – I think this is, you know, the second best season in history, aside from uh, – or maybe third, you, you know, running the table that first year. If only they could have gone to a bowl in 2014 when they weren't allowed because of NCAA, who knows what. I don't know what they're up to in Indianapolis. They can <laughs> do whatever they want there. To me, that's
2: The well-oiled machine that is the NCAA.
0: Yeah, to me that was more impressive than even uh, – uh, 2015, uh, your first year, the first team ever to go undefeated in conference play in their first year in FBS. Yeah. that was incredible. They were really robbed of a chance to just play, as Georgia Southern fans would say, one more time. They deserved it that year. But to answer your initial question, this year you got to put it right up there with uh, the other goal victory with 2014. Not just for what they overcome overcame from uh, 2017 to 2018, but just the fact that they're now right back in the mix and. Hopefully with uh, not too many guys departing, they're going to have some holes to fill, but with uh, Lunsford and this group and what they've shown they can do in recruiting and what they showed they could do on the field from one year to the next, you've got to have high hopes that they can just keep this momentum and keep going into 2019.
2: All right, Michael. Well, yeah, we appreciate you joining us, man. And I, I... Hope your Phillies can figure out a way to match the Braves' two moves today, signing Josh Donaldson and Brian McCann. I know you're worried about that, right?
0: Well, I mean, if I had $23 million extra million to spend on one year, I wouldn't spend it on a guy who won something four years ago, but that's just me.
2: Boom, Mike. Spoken yeah. like a true Phillies fan. <laughs> All right, but we well, appreciate you joining us. All right, man.
0: Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now.
1: Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's
0: gone. Hillway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern.